Hey guys, welcome this morning to our online service here for the Ellet campus. Uh, so glad you guys could join us, whether this is your first time or you've been joining us for a couple of weeks. Uh, just thanks for tuning in this morning. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to just let you know about a few things of how you could get connected and some things going on here uh, in the next couple weeks. Uh, the first thing I want to let you know about um, is that all of our ministries are still going on here at the Ellet campus. They look a little different. They're in an online format. But that means that our student ministries, our power kids, our life groups, and even our classes are still going on. You can find all of that info on our website. That's the best place. Uh, you can also download our app and find a lot of things on there, including past messages, sign up for classes, and different things that are going on. Uh, wanted you guys to know about that. Um, some specific things that are coming up. One is uh, our shape class. So if you've been connecting to Grace for a little bit and uh, you're looking for different ways to get plugged in and even thinking about how you might volunteer when we get back together, uh, this is a great place to start. So shape is going on on May 5th. You can sign up for that. It's going to be over Zoom, and we would love to invite you to that, have you be a part of that. You can sign up uh, through a link that'll be on our social media, on our website, um, and on our app as well. So super excited about that going on. If you have any questions about what's going on, how you can get connected, if you want to try out a life group, please, please reach out to us. We would love to help meet your needs that way. Or if you have something going on in your life that you need help with, uh, just reach out to us and let us know. Um, as we can't physically see you right now, uh, we need you to take that step, and we would love to help you with whatever is going on. Thanks for being here again this morning. Uh, we're going to kick things off with a song together.
thanks so much for tuning in today. My name's Ryan. I'm the campus pastor here at our Ellet campus. And I'd love to meet you and hear from you. And uh, let us know that you're tuning in today if you wouldn't mind doing that. And excited to be kind of walking us into a series we started just last weekend. Uh, before we do that, though, just want to encourage you, if you don't have a home church, uh, maybe if you're not connected to anywhere right now, and uh, maybe you have just begun tuning in, maybe today's the first time, or maybe, uh, maybe you've been watching over the last handful of weeks now, just encourage you to reach out and uh, connect with us. And uh, if you can do that through our website, through the app, or a comment on kind of whatever social media platform you may be watching on, we would love to hear from you, and I would love just to encourage you to connect to a local church. And then, of course, for those of us who are part of the Grace Church family, I just want to say, miss you guys. Can't wait uh, to see you, and I uh, love little moments when we get to hear from you uh, back and forth in whatever medium of communication we get to connect in. Uh, but just want to say thanks so much for your faithfulness. Thanks for being faithful and staying connected to what God is doing through the local church. Uh, thanks for your faithfulness in giving financially. I appreciate you doing that. Of course, we don't have a time uh, where we have our kind of our offering where we would normally give in service. Uh, so for those of you who are still employed and uh, still able to give, just say appreciate uh, that you continue to give to the Lord that way and uh, you're faithful in, in all of uh, that generosity. Uh, for those of you who are currently out of work, I recognize that many of us are in need right now. And I just want to encourage you, if you need help in any way, uh, let us know that as well. And please don't feel any pressure to give here at Grace. And uh, we just want to be a family and kind of take care of each other as much as possible. But thank you for those of you who have continued to give and are able to. And uh, the ministry is continuing to go forward here. And I want to continue to press forward and advance God's kingdom really in any way that we can. But excited about this series we started just last weekend. Uh, it's all in, in a book of the Bible. And uh, this book is filled uh, with hope, uh, with faith. It's all about uh, a group of people that are kind of wrestling in a difficult situation in their faith. And uh, one of the leaders of the early church wrote this letter to a church that he helped to start. And he filled this letter with encouragement and kind of some, some stuff to look forward to in the future about when Jesus comes back and things that are going to happen towards the end of time. And so what we said in this series is we want to just take some time and really look into this book of the Bible uh, take our time and kind of unpack it. And so if you have never done that before, if you never had kind of the privilege and the opportunity to, to take some time and understand one book of the Bible deeply, it is a powerful and life-changing experience. And I just encourage you to jump onto that journey with us. Uh, if you've never done it before, or of course, if you have done it before, uh, you know how powerful that can be as well. And so if you missed last week's message, we just kicked this off uh, last weekend. So if you missed that one, you can catch up online through our website or, of course, uh, through social media. That's, those are posted as well. And uh, catch up on that if you'd like to. And uh, otherwise, jump in here with us. And where we are, again, is in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians. And so you want to turn there in your Bible, if you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, a physical copy of God's Word, uh, the Bible, and you want one, 
please encourage you to reach out to us. We'll mail you one. I'd love just to, for you to have your own copy of God's Word, for you to be able to write in and highlight and circle and kind of make your own. And if you don't have one of those right now, let us know and we'll make sure you get one. Another great way to access the Bible is kind of through your smartphone or uh, even through your computer. If you go to Version and download that app if you want, and uh, you can look at any of the books of the Bible there and uh, follow along with us there as well. So in the book of 1 Thessalonians, that's where we're going to start here as we dive in a little bit deeper today. And as you're turning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2, making your way there, let me give you a little recap of where we've been here over the last week. Last week, what we did is we, we said that uh, this book of the Bible, one of 66 books of the Bible, this one is actually a letter. Uh, so we're actually reading somebody's mail. This leader, the Apostle Paul, uh, and a couple friends of his who are other leaders as well, they wrote a letter to a church they helped start in a city called Thessalonica, a city of about 100,000 people that would have been very diverse culturally and philosophically and religiously. And so they write, they write to this church that they helped to start, and they only stayed there a little while when they helped start the church, and it was a super dramatic beginning to the church. Uh, they kind of brought the message of Jesus to this group of people who'd never heard about it. Some of them were all in, and some of them were deeply opposed to the message. And so what actually happened is over about a course of a month, the Apostle Paul, this leader in the early church, as he shared the message of Jesus, all these people said, yes, we're in. They formed a church. And then the opposing group actually formed a mob and started a riot to oppose them. Paul and his buddies took off. They left town and kind of got out from under this crazy situation. And then they're writing back to the church in Thessalonica to make sure everybody's okay after they heard a little bit uh, once they send a friend back to check on them to make sure. So that's what the context of this letter is they're writing back to this church they helped start after they got a report from Timothy who was there to visit. And he gave them a little report of how their faith was progressing and what kind of shape they were in. Because Paul and his friends were, were nervous about this group of believers because they heard about Jesus. Then all of a sudden there was this severe situation where they're persecuted now for their brand new fresh faith. And they wondered how did they deal with that? What did they do with that? And how did they manage all that? So that's kind of the background. And that was all played out in Acts chapter 17. If you want to go back maybe and read that if you missed the first message. And of course, you can catch up with the rest of it online. So what we're going to do today is really begin to unpack and see how the story begins to unfold here in this book of the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 1 verses 2 and 3, he, here's what Paul says. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God, our Father, uh, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, man, we're, we're praying for you guys all the time, Paul would say. We're, you guys are constantly on our minds, and we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, and actually we're, we're pretty deeply inspired. We thank God when we think of you, because what we think of is this, this work that's inspired by your faith, this labor that's prompted by love, and of course this hope and endurance that's, that's inspired by Jesus. 
And so the question, if you're reading this, maybe thinking through it as you're beginning to unpack the passage as, as I am too, well, what, what is this, this work and this labor and this endurance that the Thessalonians were uh, engaged in? What were they doing that we don't know about as we sit down and start to understand and read this book of the Bible? Uh, let me just unpack this for you because we actually see it show up in the letter the work and the labor and the endurance that Paul is talking about really isn't something that they're accomplishing per se. It's not like they're building some, some big project. They're not doing something that we might think of at first glance as work or as labor. What it is that they're doing is they are actually being faithful in the midst of a very difficult situation because of their their uh, loyalty to Jesus in the midst of persecution. I want you to see this. I want you to see how it unpacks. So right here in the beginning, in 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3, we see this initial introduction. And then later in the book, as you go deeper in, you hear more of what Paul would say. Here's, here's what he's going to say in 1, 6, a few verses later. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So he looks at the Thessalonians and says, guys, we are so grateful for you. Uh, you are staying true to Christ. You are staying true to your faith, even though, uh, e even though you are being opposed and being rejected and being persecuted by people that you would have known and lived every day with. You would have been in the kind of the everydayness with them. They would have bought stuff from you and you would have bought stuff from them. They would have been your neighbors and co-workers and right, your, your kids, coaches, all that. And all of a sudden that community that you were a part of got ripped in half and, and you are being persecuted now. And it's all because of your faith in Jesus. What an enormous work that is. And he says, listen, you're an imitator of us and of the Lord. That endurance, that work, that labor of remaining true to Jesus, even in the midst of really difficult situations, uh, when all you want to do is kind of cave in, he says that that work that you're doing is very much like the work that we're doing, Paul would say. And it's actually very much like the work that Jesus himself would do. It's fascinating when you begin to understand kind of the, the Christian faith, it, you start to see that that who Jesus is and who the Apostle Paul is and who the believers are and who the leaders are all throughout the Bible, there's some themes that are going to run through and are going to be normal in the life of really anybody that follows Jesus. And that's why Paul would look at them and says, you, you are like us. You're doing the kind of stuff that we did and you're doing the kind of stuff that Jesus would do. You're being an imitator of us and an imitator of the Lord. He goes on here later in chapter two, he says, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. This is a, a portion of Israel that he would have talked about. These churches, he says, which are in Christ Jesus, you suffered from your own people, uh, the same things that these churches suffered. So he, he's kind of pointing back to this same reality. He's saying, hey, the, the kind of stuff that you as a church are going through, this is the same as this other church, these other churches in another part of the country are going through, another part of the world, I should say. And he's saying that this persecution, these sufferings that you're enduring right now, 
This stuff is normal and you are counted to be a part of it. You're one of us because you became an imitator of that. And listen, he said, that's work, that's labor, uh, that's some endurance that you have showing up. And we thank God that you have that kind of faith. As in right away, as we start to understand and unpack this book of the Bible, we can see very clearly that, that this kind of faith is different than some of the faith that's talked about in our culture today. If you listen to kind of the voices of some of our culture and even how faith is talked about, sometimes following Jesus is talked about as if, man, if I follow Jesus, all my problems are going to go away, right? If I say yes to Jesus, everything in life is going to all of a sudden become super easy. He's going to cause me to fall in love and have the love of my life come in and and he's going to make me rich and healthy and happy and everything's going to be perfect all the time. That's certainly not the kind of situation or experience that we see here. And what Paul would say is that that's not the kind of experience actually that Jesus had or that the churches in the ancient world had or even that he himself had, right? There, there's a theme that, that difficulty, uh, suffering sometimes shows up, often shows up in the life of a follower of Jesus. It's kind of normal, right? That, that there, all of us suffer at some levels here on the planet, but there's a uniqueness to the suffering that a follower of Jesus has because of their faith in Christ. These believers, because they stood for Jesus, because they said yes to Christ, and within minutes, within hours, Instantly, now they have an animosity between them and to, to the people that would reject them or oppose them. They stood for something. They stood for Christ. And all of a sudden now they have opponents that otherwise wouldn't be their opponents. And we know this. There's a reason for that. Right? There's, a, there's a reason for how this played out in the Bible. And it's kind of true no matter what. And, and here's how things work like this, I think. Right? We see it come through in Scripture. Right? Here's the thing. Whenever you stand for something, someone will stand against you. Say it again. Right? Whenever you stand for something, someone will stand against you. That's just what's going to happen. Now, at a low level, right, you might have a sports team and somebody else is going to look back at you and say, you know what, I like this other sports team. You're, you're going to have an opponent that way. You might like a certain kind of food and somebody else is going to say, you know what, actually, this is the best kind of food. And when you start to go towards heavier, more weighty topics, th- things like our deep-seated beliefs, uh, what, what we think about, where we think hope comes from, where we think life comes from, who we think God is, there, there's, there's a, uh, an enormous amount of weight to that conversation, and those stands are a much bigger deal, right? When we stand for something, there's going to be people that stand against us. And I know, I know that happened for me. I remember this. When I said yes to Jesus, I was a young adult. My buddy was telling me about Christ. And I was in a time of kind of searching, trying to figure out what do I believe in. And I remember as I was making the decision in my buddy's Ford Explorers, we were on a road trip and he was telling me about Jesus. I remember stopping to think, if I say yes to Christ, I know that there's going to be people that stand against me because I make that decision. Like, I, I just, I know it, right? I didn't have, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. I knew that. Like, all these people in my life weren't Christ followers. Some friends and family and people, 
that were kind of surrounding my natural path of life. And I knew if I took this big stand, if I say this is what my life's going to be about now, that's going to have an impact to me socially and relationally, maybe even economically. I might not have the same kind of opportunities to, to work with people or to interact that I would normally have. And there's a weight to that. There's a cost to that. And that, that's exactly how it played out in my life. Uh, some people looked at me and they said, Mount Ryan, when, when you said yes to Jesus, man, that's just a phase, right? You're going you're gonna to grow out of that. That's just something you're into now. You're just in college, no big deal. It's just a phase. Some people flat out just thought I lost my mind. They're like, Ryan finally snapped, right? He's crazy. He's lost it. He, he turned into a religious nut and, and he's off the deep end. Some people were angry with me, right? And they wouldn't talk to me anymore. And then, of course, some people took the journey with me. They're like, hey, maybe I should make a big stand in my life too. And when we say yes to Jesus, there's a reality that, that some of that's going to play like that. There's a cost to it, right? If, if I never stand for anything, if I have a vanilla, casual faith that never actually shows up in my life, I never tell anybody around, about, certainly there, there's not going to be any impact, but that's not the kind of faith that the Bible's talking about. It's not the kind of faith that the Thessalonians had. It's not the kind of the faith that Paul had, and it's certainly not what Jesus did. They had a faith that caused uh, a deep change in our lives, and that change is effective and, and affects all the people that are around us. That's what the Thessalonians were experiencing. They, they didn't just check the religious box and say, okay, we'll be a Christian now. I'm going to pick off the menu of religions to pick from, and I pick Christian instead of some other one. Uh, they weren't just doing their time. They certainly weren't just casual in their approach to their faith. These people said yes to Jesus. And then again, their, their very community, people that they would have known and grown up with and went to church with, now would turn on them. And that was the cost of their faith. They, they would have lost relationships, right? And there have been people that looked at them and said, oh, yeah, yeah that guy, he's now, the, he's the crazy Jesus person now. They would have lost financially, economically. Pe people that maybe normally would go and buy from their shop, they're not going to buy from that shop. That's a crazy Jesus guy. I'm not going there anymore. Right? They would have lost socially and been ostracized from some social circles. Certainly that would have been true and played out, and Paul knows that, and that's why he's commending them, saying, man, that is work. That is labor. That takes some endurance, and by the way, you look a lot like Jesus when you go through that. You look a lot like we did because that's what we went through too. And you look like these churches that we look at here as well. The Thessalonians and their faith experience is something to model and I think be inspired by. That's part of what Paul is talking about here in, in the next passage in 1 Thessalonians 1.4. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Listen to this. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. With power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. He looks at them and he recognizes that this is a real thing for them. 
Uh, they, they heard the message. They received the message. They welcomed the message into their lives and they let it anchor into them. Again, it, it wasn't a casual faith. There was no room for that in this situation. You were either in on the Jesus thing or you weren't. You were against it. Right? You're either I'm a follower of Christ or I'm, a, I'm completely opposed to him. There wasn't this big squishy middle ground where we had room to kind of be a casual person that says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm kind of a follower of Jesus, but it doesn't really make a difference in my life. And I don't really think about it that often, but sure, I'm, I'm, I'm in for Jesus. There was no room for that. It was all separated, right? in or out, for or against. And he recognizes that and he looks at me and says, you were people that as you received it, you clearly landed in the four camp, no matter what the cost that came to you, no matter how much you had to suffer for it, you were in. He looks at that and says, that is a big deal that you would receive this with deep conviction, that the message would show up in your life with power, that the Holy Spirit, God himself would come and, and be a part of your life now. So that, that's all happening to you. That's a big deal. Right? And part of how we can know how important something is to us, as we see how important the faith of the Thessalonians is to them, they're, they're willing to, to suffer and to sacrifice for all of that. We can look, if we want to open up and unpack and discover what's important in our lives, all we have to do is look for the things that we're willing to suffer for. Here's what I mean. I said this way in your notes. I said, what we'll suffer for reveals what we live for. Let me say that again. What we'll suffer for reveals what we'll live for, right? Kind of reveals what we'll live for. So if I am, if I am somebody who is, um, you know, I'm maybe deeply committed to my kids. I'd be this way. I've got four kids. I, my kids matter a ton to me. I, I would suffer enormously for them, just like you would. If you're a parent or if you have friendships that are deep, deep and loyal to you, or maybe you're in a romantic relationship, my guess is that, that we would all be the same, that I, I would lay down my life. I would suffer greatly for my wife or for my kids or for my friends. I'm sure that you would as well. And we would all look at those relationships and say, oh yeah, th those, those relationships matter a lot. You know, they're, they're part of what we live for in some ways. And then if you looked around at some of the other things, if we took a glance at what else we would be willing to suffer for, right? I, I think of uh, some of the things that I, I'd be willing to suffer for. Sometimes I'll, uh, in order just to, uh, to relax and have a good time, you know, you stay up late and lose a little bit of sleep, maybe to watch a favorite show, because I'll suffer a little bit to have a little bit of pleasure, I think that's how we all are. We'll, we'll stay, stand in line and, and wait at an iPhone store forever, right, to get that latest technology to show up. I'd be amazed. I went to a, a Cavs game uh, about a year ago, and, and I got home late, right? We were showing up about midnight, a little bit after that. And I thought to myself, all of these people are going to go back to work tomorrow. Many of them are going to get up at 5.30, 6 a.m., and all of us collectively would say, oh yeah, we're going to suffer for this experience because it's, it's so great to do that, right? Nothing wrong with that. But, but it's, we're willing to sacrifice some sleep in, in order to have this experience. Nothing wrong with any of that. The challenge becomes 
when I start to look at areas of my faith and I say, I say my faith is important. My faith is important. I value it. But when I start to look at, and ch- church, church is kind of inconvenient. I don't, I don't know if, I'm not going to make it this week. I don't want to, it's not really worth it to me. I got to get up early and pray and read my Bible. Like that's, I just don't have time for that kind of thing. Now, I don't know, I'm not going to invest that kind of resource right now to giving. It's going to look, economy's going to look a little scary right now. If there starts to be a cost, and when that cost, that suffering starts to show up, it, it should make me question, hey, how important is my faith in my life? Is it actually what I'm living for right now? Not, not in a guilty way, it's just a matter of fact. I'm going to suffer for the things that I live for. I'm going to suffer for what matters most and for what I care about. It's the reason we'll lay down our lives and suffer enormous inconveniences for, for our kids, right? Or for our spouses or for our friends. We'll show up and say, you know what? You're, you're a, a brother or a sister to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for you because I would expect you to be there for me. And when it comes to our faith in Christ, we want to make sure it's as important as we say it is. And at least for me, man, I've been challenged this week by looking at this model of the, the Thessalonians. I'm, I'm challenged to say, boy, am I willing to suffer loss of sleep or loss of entertainment uh, or, or loss of other stuff that I might want to do in order to chase down and pursue a relationship with Jesus? Certainly, He's worth it, but is that showing up in my life? Those are questions I'm asking this week. Paul goes on as he, he continues to talk about it here in the, the next passage. He says in verse 8, he says, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's kind of Greece and Turkey area. It says the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. Goes on, he says, they, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait from, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Paul looks at uh, the Thessalonians. He says, Jesus, you guys, th- th- this faith that you have embraced, uh, the work and the labor and the endurance that you have, uh, the way that you've been willing to suffer, just like we have suffered, this story of your reception of the message, the way that you've welcomed it, has become known everywhere. And, and people of faith all over the area, as the message of Jesus continues to spread, He said, they're all encouraged about how you have said yes to Christ. He says, this story, this message is showing up all over the place. It is, he says, it's ringing out uh, among all of these people and all kinds of folks are hearing the story because you, in the midst of severe suffering, looked at your faith in Jesus and you didn't waffle and you didn't waver, you, you just simply said, I'm in. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to follow Jesus. Whatever the cost is, I'm in for it. I will pay it. 
I want to be, if he laid down his life for me, I'm going to lay down my life for him as a thank you, not to earn anything. That's not the idea. It's simply to say thank you as an act of worship to say, Jesus, I'm going to be loyal to you because you have been so very loyal to me. It's fascinating when you think about this idea that Paul talks about here in this last passage where he talks about the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaesis, but to really everywhere in the world. The idea that messages ring out from us is a fascinating idea, I think, that Paul is picking up on. Because the reality is we all have messages that kind of ring out from us. And some of them are fun and kind of goofy. They're, right, they're connected to our personality and we're known for certain things. Right? Some of us are known for kind of being all about our kids and what we're always posting on what, what, what our kids are doing and people know that we love our kids. That's awesome. It's good stuff. So some of us are, are super into our hobbies or our pets, right? Some, some of us are like, man, you're, you're into your cat. You're like cat lady and you're into it and everybody knows that. So some of us are like, right, you're really into your wood pile, right? That's how I would be. People know that about me. It's strange. They know that I have issues, right? Connected to wood and chopping wood and using a chainsaw. And it's, my, it's part of my message, right? It's kind of who I am. They know that it's connected that way. They may, you may know there may be a message that rings out that you're connected to a sports team. You're a fanatic about that. Or you like this kind of food. All that stuff is fun and good. Absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. The, the question becomes, underneath all of those fun messages, when it comes to the message that I actually believe about where hope is found, that, that deeper level message, what, what, what that message is that rings out from me is really what matters. Right, well, well, these are fun messages and they kind of show up along the way, all good stuff. When, I, when, when people think of me and they think of you, the question is, what message is ringing out from me about where hope is found, about where life is found. What is it that I really deep down believe, and I believe it so deeply in my core that that message is kind of reverberating, not just from my words or social media or what I say, but it's reverberating from my very life, the things that I'm willing to suffer for, the kind of things that I'm committed to, well, what, what is that message in my life? Right? Whether you're a person of faith or not, there, there, there's a message coming from you. It's ringing out from you. And I, and I think that's the question that we want to ask today, right? Well, what is that message that's ringing out? What message is ringing out from my life? Is the message of my life that, that I should be a good person? And, and that's where hope is found. And someday, you know, if there's a God that he kind of, he weighs the good deeds and the bad deeds and, and hopefully there's more good than bad and that at the end of the day that that equals out and so I kind of try to keep my ledger balanced and I know I do some bad stuff over here so that helps, I, I do some more good to make sure that those things kind of even themselves out. Is that what we believe? Is that what's ringing out from our lives? Is the message of my life that, man, I just need to make some money and be comfortable and try to get my kids set up, man, get them invested in, 
you know, to try to have a solid middle class life. That's where hope and that's where life is found. Is that the message that's ringing out from us? Is the message some other faith that we've locked into? If we took a minute to stop and just ask that question, what am I known for? What do I believe in? What message is ringing out for me? Underneath all the fun personality stuff, down to the core of my being. What is that? How loud is that message? Because I, I think, my guess is it, that there's probably a whole bunch of us that would look, and, and when we consider that question and, and reflect on it, we would look back and say, I don't, I, I, I think I have, I think the answer to that question for me is Jesus. I mean, I think I, I believe in Jesus and I'm a Christ follower. I'm, I'm connected to church or I tune in sometimes or every once in a while I pray. I mean, if we're honest, that message, while, while it may be rooted in us and anchored in us, we might believe in Christ. That message may be very much muted in our lives. It, it may not be ringing out the way that it was ringing out that inspires me to ring out the way that, that Paul talks about the Thessalonians. And that message might be kind of muted. I, I don't know about you, but I've been on a lot of, of video chat meetings recently a lot of Zoom meetings these days, man. A lot, a lot of time spent in front of a screen with other people on that screen and we're talking to each other and we're interrupting each other. And every once in a while, I don't know if you experience this, but I do, where, where somebody's adding something in and they're, they're, it looks like what they're saying is really good and powerful and they're moving their arms and, and they're talking, they have facial expression, but, but they're muted, right? Like nothing's coming out. And you, and you gotta tell that person, hey man, uh, you, you got to unmute yourself, right? We, we need to be able to hear you. Sometimes I, I think our faith journey looks a little bit like that. That there's, there's a faith in there somewhere. It might be very personal. It, it, it may show up in, in unique or specific ways in our lives. But if we're honest, sometimes it gets muted, because I don't actually, like the Thessalonians did, I don't actually stand for it. I don't let it define me. I'm not willing to suffer for it. So it remains a muted message. It's not what I am actually known for and known by. It's just kind of there. I say, Ryan, what do we do with all this? Man, this is a fascinating conversation. I, I, I know it is, right? I'm, I've been so inspired and challenged to look at the Thessalonians over this last week and to hear about their faith. These are the, these are the questions I was thinking through and kind of asking myself and asking, maybe asking of us this week as I was considering it. I think the questions that we should run through are, are this. Like the Thessalonians had to get introduced to a message and then decide how they were going to receive it and how they were going to live it. I think that same thing happens in our lives. And I think we have to start at the very beginning. I think we can look and say, am I someone who has received the message? Do I know what Jesus has done for me? And have I welcomed that message into my life 
not in a casual way, but, but in a, a deep level, this is where hope is found level. If I said yes to Christ, if you've never done that before, and we would encourage you to, to investigate that step and maybe even take it today to recognize that Jesus loved us enough to show up on this planet uh, to live perfectly, never sinned, never broke God's law, and then willingly allowed himself to be sacrificed on a cross to pay for our sins, to pay for the things that we did wrong. And then, and then he beat death, he rose from the dead, and today what he offers each of us is the bridge back to God to, to have our sins forgiven, to have a relationship with God the Father and with Christ himself. And then our lives are spent to say, thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued me from myself. You've rescued me from hell and you rescued me from death. What else could I do with myself but live for you and say thank you with what I do and with how I live? You've never made that decision before. Maybe you went to church, maybe you grew up in it, but you never said yes to Christ. It starts there by receiving that message. I encourage you to make that decision today. Some of us might be at the place where we have to say yes to Jesus. Some of us might be at a place where we're looking at our lives and saying, maybe I've received that message, but if I'm honest, it's kind of on mute in my life. And the people in my life and the effect of my faith, the effect of that message ringing out into the world is kind of muted, if I'm honest. If that's where I am, I think I need to start by admitting that and owning that and asking the question, how did I get here? And do I need to, to take some steps to move forward in unmuting that message? And if you're in that place, I would encourage you to, Take that conversation into your life groups this week. Unpack that and, and ask other followers of Jesus, how, how did you get the message kind of unmuted? How did you jumpstart your faith? And how, how did you walk into it and get, get it moving for the first time? And then guys, I think, I think the last question I might throw out is, is sometimes what we need to recognize is the message that I have believed or a message that has been ringing out from my life is actually very loud. It's just not the message of Jesus. And we might claim to be Christ followers and we might go to church and we might be connected in all kinds of Christian circles. But if we looked at what the deep message of our lives sounds like, it sounds more like a political hope than a Christ-like one. It sounds more like a self-help hope than a, than a salvation one in Christ alone. The message ringing from our lives, if we're not careful, can be off of what the actual message of Jesus is. And I think all of that, myself too, I have to stay and fight to make sure the message coming from my life is actually Jesus and him alone. He's the only one that rescues us from the wrath to come. He is where our hope is found. So wherever you are today on the spectrum, if you have to say yes to Jesus for the first time or kind of unmute 
the message of Christ ringing in your life, or maybe you got to change messages altogether and evaluate that. All of us, can, can we come back to, to home base and say, Jesus, it's you. It's your message affecting and changing my life, and I want to meet you right where I am. Help me move to where I need to go. Second, we're going to worship and pray and sing, and I just encourage you to ask Christ that question today. As we wrestle our hearts through, would you pray with me? And we'll worship together. Father, we want to say thank you once again that that your message is even available to us today. That there's the possibility of knowing truth and knowing you, Christ, the one who loves us and loves our soul and is willing to lay yourself down for us. Lord, would you give us courage today uh, to be honest about the things that we actually care about and actually are motivated by, the things that we're actually committed to and will suffer for. And Lord, we ask, would you give us courage to anchor in and commit to making you the most important and the most central in our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that for myself, for my friends, for everyone who's hearing this conversation today. Lord, alter us, change us, make us more like you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for laying yourself down on our behalf. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
such a great reminder that we are your children, that I'm your child. And Lord, I think all too often we forget it. And, and yeah, our, our message gets muted or our message gets changed that we're, that we're conveying to others. Father, we, we plead with you to bring us back, to bring us back to your feet. Lord, um, you promise that you never leave our side. It's truly us that walk away and, and try to do things on our own, um, follow other messages, um, become a part of the world rather than a part of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, Lord, help us to be the light and the salt of the world, to not be silent with the message of Jesus, with your message, Lord. Lord, if we have the wrong message, help us to turn back. Help us to repent. Help us to even see it. Um, Lord, as we kind of go through this week and we let this message sink in, help us just to be very honest with where we're at. And I know that you'll be faithful to that, and we're thankful for it. Lord, just be with us um, as we start wrestling with this. We ask this on your name.
Thanks, guys. Can't wait to see you next week.